Strong Talk with Ricky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, live once again on HR Talk. I'm JC. The star of the show. It's my pleasure to be here, ladies and gentlemen. There's a guy that visits from time to time. His name is Ricky Baez. He is here. Our special Hi. introduction with Ricky today, though, is going to be taking a different turn. We have a uh, brand new and immediate segment that we need to uh, get directly into, and then we'll do our our big grand introduction of the man, the myth, the legend, the guy with too many post anomalies that he knows what to do with. You know him. Oh, wow. You love him. That guy, Ricky Baez. But before we do that part, of the program. Please welcome back to the show here with inspirational quotes, our brand new segment, Ricky Baez. Quotes let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. Ricky, bye. Always communicate and listen to understand, not listen to respond. Ladies and gentlemen, the other co-host of the program, Ricky Byers. Welcome back. How you doing, man? Man, I, you know what? I got to tell you, these past couple of weeks, I've been doing my thing. You've been doing your thing. I'm finally glad to be back. On the show. Well, as you should be. As you should be. I'm going to interrupt you right away. Because the past couple of shows that you did by yourself were Uh absolutely atrocious. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love when you sit down with authors and talk to people. And you do Uh the Ricky Bias thing. But, oh, my God. It's boring. You You brought it to my attention. You're the one who says, Ricky, this is for you. Well, it's just so much better when we're together. I'm not going to be here because it sucks so much. (laughs) (laughs) So, thank you for that, brother. Okay, well, look. Look, we are going to be breaking the mold today, Rick. We're going from a world of like COVID isolation where you're talking to a pretend author in a closet, reaching all the way around the globe. We are going to, we are going, Rick, I don't know if, I don't know if everyone listening understands the importance of this. We're going into the future. Literally. 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 Ricky, if you could do a little bit of a setup onto our amazing guest today. And get this kicked off ASAP. Roger that. So today, today, folks, we are having a conversation with a director of a specific group of an international company. And this company is in Australia. She is a humongous name in the HR space. She is the recruiting queen. She gets all kinds of awards from all different kinds of companies, uh, uh, countries, companies. which we are going to countries. talk today. Yes, countries. Absolutely. Yeah, countries. Not com- well, companies in countries. You know, you, you know what I mean. So today we have the one, the only, the HR extraordinaire, Rachel Nelson. Hello, Rachel Nelson. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Rachel Nelson. Rachel Nelson. It's Rachel Nelson! (laughs) Picture her being brought onto the stage in a crowd surfing. Rachel, hi. Thanks for having me on the show today, tonight. (laughs) 
<laughs> Yo, well, to my for us today for you, right? Because it's uh, it's actually eight oh seven p.m. on a Saturday night, and to you is eleven oh seven a.m. on Sunday morning in Australia. Correct? It is correct. So it's it's safe for us to say, and not crazy for us to say that we are literally talking to somebody in the future. You literally are talking to somebody in the future. This is amazing. Uh, Really and is. I admire your dedication for giving up your Saturday evening. Well, we have no life, Rachel. So, no. I mean, this kind of worked out. <laughs> I, I personally <laughs> so, wouldn't want to spend it any other way right now. I mean, this is kind of working for me. I have so many questions for the future right now. Like, I don't, I don't even know, like, where to begin. Like, I, uh, like, what happens with COVID? Like, is I, it still there? Yeah. Is it like a thing still? Is it COVID 20 yet? Right. Is it? I thought you'd ask me, um, you know, you'd give me a call on November 4th. <laughs> well, your time or our time? Because <laughs> you could tell us what happened. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was easing in gently. I love the way the two of you just push right in. You you put your HR hats right on. You investigated right to the date. You're like, we're getting right Absolutely. into that. Rachel, how, how long have you been doing the uh, human resource thing now? A couple of years, right? Well, just a couple of years, um, probably close to 25 years now. Ooh, wow. Now, when, yeah. when we look your name up on LinkedIn or, or we check out the, the bio of, of you uh, through your organization, et cetera, there's a lot of post nominals at the end of your name. And some of them look familiar, <laughs> but some of them look radically different. If you could real quick, in your words, who are you? Who are you with? What do you do? And what the heck are those other post-nominals? So I, I believe you recognize the sham post-nominals. Yes, we did. So I, I was the first Australian to receive that accreditation, to uh, sit that oh, exam wow. and receive that accreditation. So, um, Rachel, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I queued up the laugh track instead of the Why applause. Why are people on laughing, JC? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That was probably one of the biggest failures on this program altogether. No, seriously, you were like the first in all of all of Australia. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I sat the exam in, in Chicago. So I spent twelve months researching, you know, through these different uh, manuals. Yeah. Um, you know, the differences in in U.S. employment uh, law and comparing that. You know, I've grown up with Australian employment law. Um, so there was a lot of differences and a lot of things that I needed to familiarize myself with. Um, so that's how I got that post-nominal. And um, I don't plan on losing it because it was so hard to get. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Ricky, didn't you just go ahead? I'll let you tell your own story on this one. Well, no, I mean, it, it, it's I'm with you 100 percent, Rachel. Um, I I've actually I was grandfathered into the Sherm one. Right, because um, uh, Sherm is it's that one is relatively new. I had the HRCR one for about uh, ten years now, and that mm -hmm. test was so unbelievably hard that I go out of my way, spend as much money as I can to make sure I get the classes so I can recertify. Because I am not taking that godforsaken test again. <laughs> so I am with you one hundred percent, ma'am. Definitely with oh, you on that. That it was is. hard. I mean, just get, getting through the, um, you know, the weapons pat down was. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know what? 
So let me ask you this. this so, so this is why I'm so interested in this conversation, because I started looking at, um, at your LinkedIn profile. So I saw the other two post nominals that you have. But the first thing that came to my mind, how, how does a SHRM certification help you uh, be that HR professional in Australia? Are they interchangeable? Well, they, well, yes and no. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking more at HR on a global stage, um, you know, so reaching out and uh, tapping into the U.S. market, there's, there's a lot that can be learned from, you know, intertwining both of our, you know, policies and our legislative requirements. So um, I think as a HR professional, it's always important and it's always good to keep learning and to keep um, your finger on the pulse of what's going on in in different, um, you know, global economies and and areas and cultures um, because it only serves to benefit the clients that you're representing. Yeah, that's true. So so if I could just step back a little bit, you said you was in HR for over 20 years. Is -hmm. this something you plan on doing uh, out of college, high school, or is this something you landed into? How do you it, now, how did you get into HR? Yeah, um, this is something I, I, I planned on doing. So I guess when I was um, you know fresh out of school, I wanted to do something that helped people, um, but not necessarily in the welfare space, more in the professional services space. Okay. Um, so I began my career just as um, you know as a recruiter and worked my way up from there. Yeah, so I see that 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 you have a heavy re- re- recruiting background, which kind of takes you to where you are right now, right? Because right mm-hmm. now you are so you're a senior leader at a company called the Foresight Group, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, director oh, of Foresight okay. Group. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but so the Foresight the Foresight Group, also known as the for, uh, Foresight Recruitment, um, and and I love the 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 tagline, passionate about people, right? Um, so some other organizations have that, but tell me what about the foresight group or foresight recruitment, what they do that really does show that passion for people? Yeah, so I guess, um, you know, we started the business uh, a few years ago and it was really started because, you know, we were passionate about people and, you know, to provide that humanistic experience um, to them and for them to realize that they're not just um, a name on a, on a resume or a CV, that they're an actual person with ambition and goals, um, with a background, and to really help and, and coach them on their journey. Okay. Hang on a second, though. Let, let yeah. me ask you, though, when, when you're talking about not just a number and, and bringing that human aspect to things, is that something that's been a, a problem in your neck of the world? Like, uh, is, is it is it typically viewed in, in the day-to-day business transactions prior to your organization being established that, yeah, people are just numbers? I wouldn't say necessarily it's been a problem. Um, I just wanted to make it more humanistic to really um, provide those candidates with a sense of um, purpose and that I was truly interested in what they wanted, what they wanted to achieve with their careers, and and how to assist them in in achieving that. Did you so see that that was lacking, though? I mean, was was that something that just like? 
didn't exist or or it wasn't done as good as uh, you felt you could do? Well, you know, I mean, let's be honest, and we're all in HR. There is a, a sales um, sort of relationship to recruitment. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a salesperson. I don't like sales. So I'd, I'd rather, um, you know, provide that, that personal and that humanistic interaction uh, with, with clients and candidates. So well, to get the best... I'm sorry. <laughs> you you threw me off with that one. So you're saying you're not a salesperson, but but mm. your career started in recruitment, right? Isn't that sales? Ah. Isn't that marketing? Right. Okay, let, 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 let's clarify that. The, yeah. the career started in internal recruitment. Okay. Yeah. So so okay, so you're communicating a possible career path. To somebody who restarted okay. with the organization, so you got to sell that idea, right? Well, you do, or, or do you sell that idea, or do you walk that journey with them and say, "Hey, I mean, this is where you want to be. Let's look at this avenue, or have you considered this?" And well, I know this client who, you know, their career mapping looks like this. Have you considered applying for this role? You're selling it. <laughs> You're selling it. But you, but Am I selling it to, is my focus on making that placement mm-hmm. and creating that invoice and forgetting about it, or is my focus on matching the best candidate yeah, with the best client? It's, it's more like mentoring at that point, right? I mean, it's more like yeah. teamwork rather than coaching. let me sell exactly. you something to move you on. Yeah, it's partnering with both the client and the candidate, and not only that, it's not just a, well. Here's your invoice. Um, talk to you when you next have a requirement. It's here's the candidate. They've started. Let's look at a look at this long term and strategically because I know they don't want to replace a candidate within you know x amount of weeks or months. Yeah. I don't want to replace the candidate in X amount of weeks or months. So, okay, let's look at their their career journey with you. What's that going to look like? How can I help them, you know, be the best fit long-term for your organization? Well, well, piggybacking on, um, on, on, on DC's question, as far as the need in Australia, I do know that Australia now, now just from what I've read, right. I've never been there. I've never lived there. You do. So you tell me if I'm right or wrong. From from what I understand, Australia at a equivalent federal level, and of course I'm using that equivalency to the US, is an employee friend a lot of employee friendly policies, right? Because the over there the government dictates when organizations terminate somebody that they should give them a severance. When people have to go on leave, those leaves are paid. So to me, that tells me that that Australia is a pretty, pretty employee friendly environment. So do you still see in comparison to the U.S., do you still see that employees are generally happier in Australia than they are in the U.S. or vice versa? Because they, 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 those rules tend to favor employees, not employers, right? I guess when, when you consider that, I guess as an employee in Australia, we don't have to worry necessarily about healthcare. Okay. We don't have to worry about um, 
our leave. I mean, we, we've recently introduced in, in Australia um, family and domestic violence leave. Um, so that gives people, you know, up to five days uh, a year off to deal with domestic or, or family violence issues. And it's recognising, um, you know, that this is, a, a, it's not only an issue in Australia, it's an, an, issue, an issue globally. Um, is. You know, we, we have 20 days of annual leave, um, 10 days of personal leave. Uh, we have compassionate leave, community leave. Compassionate? <laughs> yeah. What is that? So um, it's generally if, if a, you know, a direct family member passes or, oh, or is gravely ill, um, you can take leave uh, for that purpose. Now, these are leaves that are dictated by the government, right? The government says, hey, if you're going to open up a business here, you have to abide by these rules. And Correct. Are those leaves paid, paid leave? Uh, some are paid leave, some are unpaid leave. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so things like long service leave, which we have here. So after 10 years of continuous service well, with an organisation, um, with the exception of Victoria, they have their own model. Um, employees are, in, are entitled to two months of paid leave. Um, we have paid parental leave here. I so saw we that have, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have 18 weeks of paid parental leave, and that's paid um, at the minimum wage by our government. The government um, pays that out. So okay, now I understand. Okay, so it's not like the government, because in the United States, um, we do have some states that they, if you do business in that state, the government says, if you're going to do business here, you're going to pay your employees X amount of sick leave in case they get paid. But the employer foots the bill to that, right? So, so you're saying in Australia, the government foots the bill for that one, right? Correct. Got it. Ah, Correct. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, we have uh, dad and partner pay. So that's at, at two weeks of paid leave. And that that's to encourage the dad or the partner to spend time with, with their with their child, whether it's adopted or, you know, um, uh, a birth, um, to bond with that child. I got a big question here for you then. Uh, we're, we're nearing 10 years now since the Workplace Gender Equality Agency was established in 2013 in Australia. And for some people that aren't familiar with that, it it seemed that uh, at the time that women in the workforce weren't able to access and enjoy some of the same rewards, resources, opportunities as men were, and that there was a little bit of a curve that was behind the times in a way when it came to gender equality type issues. So now we're almost plus 10 on that. I'm, I'm pushing it. I'm a, what are we at? We're at plus seven. I know. But let's stay optimistic. We're, we're ahead of the curve, right? We're almost 10 years out. Are, are women still facing discrimination in employment uh, mm. when we're talking across the board or for equality of pay? Or uh, do you find that things are everything's a lot better now because everyone's got all this leave. So no one cares. Like they're, they're barely <laughs> ever at work, right? Oh, she about fell off her I'm chair, only dude. kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> hey, I'm working hard for the laughs over here, Rachel. That's I'm all getting I'm away from that one. I don't want to get hit. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. That's well, a lot well, of good well, leave, though, that you have. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you look at our paid parental leave, eighteen weeks, it 
it allows the you know the primary caregiver to take that time to to bond with that child and you know parenting is tough work um so and they are entitled to 10 um they're known as keeping in touch days so they can come back into the organization and you know work for up to 10 days during that um paid parental leave and it doesn't affect um doesn't affect them being paid at all and i mean in addition to that their their company or organization might have their own paid parental leave which they can use as well so as as so. far as like gender equality goes then though aside from the leave qualities of things when we're talking about pay and and substantive uh, uh, benefits that that someone would receive if you compare a woman to a man or or transgendered or whatever the case may be in the workplace is everyone paid about equal or is there still stereotypes there I th- I think like if we if we're really honest let's yeah. be really honest yeah. um I think this pandemic has shown that there is still an imbalance. Um, you know, it it is being known as the pink recession because women have had to take that back seat again and juggle the the primarily primary responsibility for the, the at home schooling and still working and still you know <laughs> providing for their family. Right, right. Um, so. Unfortunately, um, I think this um, global pandemic has highlighted a few things that we still need to work on and we still need to manage a little bit better. But now, Ricky, you, you're in the same boat, though, too, right? When we're talking about uh, some, of the, some of the differences that you're seeing and, and experiencing with where we're at right now. Well, what I wanted to say is the flip side to that coin, Rachel, is that um, I think what this pandemic has shown is just how way behind the curve men are multitasking. Because let me tell you, <laughs> I tried doing that for like the first two weeks because my wife has to be at work. So so she's, she's in the medical industry, so she's an associate. Mm-hmm. She has to go in. I'm working from home. And the first two weeks here of me working from home, it was, it was just me. And I never yeah. realized how much I needed her until those two weeks. Let me tell you, because trying to juggle my job, having conversations like this, doing the podcast, and then making sure he's got everything he needs. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm over in school and then cooking and all these things. And I just went ballistic. Just one day, Rachel. <laughs> just one. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how people do this. And I just match it up to me being a guy and just me so linear thinking that I, can, I just can't multitask. Like right now, mm-hmm. I was trying to take a, uh, a sip from, from my drink. I'm talking to you, trying to concentrate, and I miss my mouth. I'm that horrible, Rachel. I really am that horrible. <laughs> so, well, but, let's hope that you never experience being a single parent and working and juggling that responsibility. I, I, I don't know how people do that. And, and you know what? Here's the thing, and, and thank you for bringing that up. That's, that is one of the things that I was genuinely worried about when all mm-hmm. this started right because a lot of um at least in the united states a lot of ceos they were really quick to jump on the bandwagon no we're going to be progressively thinking we're going to be forward thinking and we're going to allow people to work from home right but the metrics were still the same the communication Mm -hmm. styles were still the same how you communicate was still the same holding people accountable was still the same and that was an i i anticipated that was going to be a big mistake because you're not going as an employee, you're not going to have the same focus, 
the same mm-hmm. resources working from home as you would at work because you have a lot of other distractions, especially if your kids are at home. You got other people at home and some CEOs and leaderships don't understand that. Have you seen that over in Australia as well? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's not just a localized issue. I mean, you know, with childcare being closed down and, and with parents having the responsibility of homeschooling, it's um, it's just highlighted some huge areas that, you know, we probably never really considered, um, especially if you're in that position where you haven't had to consider it. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed that from a benefits perspective that really increased um, is the employer assistance programs. So we have EAP programs, right, where um, this time last year it wasn't used nearly as enough as it's being used right now. It is spiking. And you could understand why, right, because things, you know, people are concerned with their health. They're concerned with the loved ones. They're concerned with what's going to happen with their job. All those things falling on one person. Next thing you know, everybody and their mother's calling the um, EAP, which don't get me wrong. I'm glad people are because it's an amazing benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, So in Australia, I know you said that you don't have to worry about health care. So I'm assuming in a total compensation package, health care is not even mentioned. Um, is well, well it's, it's not. It's not because, because you know, um, unlike in the US, it's not the employer's responsibility. So it's, you know, the government looks after our health care. So, oh, there it is. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I had an epiphany. There it is. So in turn, we could pay our employees less. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? I mean, there's some benefit to HR in Australia, right? I mean, over and where you don't you're have at, to right? deal with open enrollment and boom. Oh. Rachel, Rachel, what you asked earlier, yes, that was gin in his glass. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's exactly what that was. But actually, I think, so, look ahead. So, so, so in Australia, I guess we don't have necessarily as much anxiety as, and, and I'm going to say this extremely with extreme sensitivity. And please, you know, hear me correctly. If I need to go to the doctor, I don't have to worry about how I'm going to pay for that. Mm. If I need to go to the hospital, I don't need to worry how I'm going to pay for that. If my kids are sick or when my kids are sick, I don't need to worry about how I'm going to afford their care. So that takes a lot of pressure off me as a parent, an employee, Yes, I have a question for you on that. So because of that, then, if you're sitting down watching the TV at nighttime, Mm -hmm. are you bombarded with commercials for Cialis and Viagra and all the other drugs? Or is this, I mean, that's not even a thing then, right? Because it's all paid for. You could get your bona pills from the government and it's all good, right? Every time I'm in the U.S. and I've probably made, I don't know, 25 trips there, it's I get to know so much about different diseases that I didn't even know existed. And they make, and they make them look cool, right? Yeah, right. Like people look crazy. Sialis commercial, there's some, you know, 50 or 60-year-old guy in a tub in the middle of a country field. Makes no sense. Hey, we've got a brand new pill for that rash that you have. You might wind up being schizophrenic, lose half your brain, and have your sinuses removed. There you go. What? Oh, Doc, I need that. We, we know how to sue for that. <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. 
So, oh. so if that if so, yeah, there's no see. lawsuits then either. Well, ah. I'm sure. that, that's a different. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure there there's is. always going to be human error. There's always right. going to be you know someone unhappy. Um, yeah. So, but what I'm what I'm trying to say is that it's not an employer responsibility, and because of that, um, you know, I guess. I don't have that, and I'll speak personally um, because I, I actually have um, a child that has a, a chronic illness. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily have to worry about um, her medication or, or her treatment. And you know, we spent three months um, at the largest children's hospital in Sydney last year, um, and she had intensive therapy, learning how to walk again. Um, we were accommodated down there, and I didn't have to pay a cent for that. So that was all covered by, you know, our, our government healthcare system, our Medicare system. So that takes a lot of pressure uh, off me as, as, a, as a person, as a parent, um, yeah, that my employer is not responsible um, for that care. So from, a, from an HR recruitment perspective, right, if, if healthcare is not involved, in the, mm-hmm. the total compensation conversation, um, mm-hmm. what is other than a paycheck, right? So there has to be other benefits that are above and beyond that would separate employer A from employer B to really attract the uh, the uh, high rollers. I mean, at right? the end so, of the day, is it really just culture huh? between yeah. organizations? Well, I mean, well, I mean, it's. I actually wrote um, a piece, and you can find it on my LinkedIn. Um, the article uh, comparing recruitment to uh, online dating, and so you know, twenty years ago, it was all about um, the how attractive the candidate could make themselves to um, to be attractive to an employer to to be you know wanted to be hired by them. But now it's it's a case of well, candidates are a little bit more choosy, and they want to know what the employer can offer them. So there's no limit really on what the benefits could be. Um, I'm just saying it doesn't necessarily include healthcare. So they could give um, you know mental health days. They could um, you know give different bonuses or different reward structures. Different. There's no limit, really. What is so? What is the most innovative, out of the box, outside of the box thinking benefit you have seen an employer offer? Mm, that's an interesting question, Ricky. Um, Unlimited supply of gin. Unlimited dog days. You could go yes. pet your dog and walk them. That was, yeah. I, just, Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all noticed the off. importance of, um, you know, now we're all working from home, um, pets in the workplace, yeah. so paternity, paternity policies, um, you know, having your pets in the workplace. I mean, that's brilliant. I mean, I'm I sure mean, there's uh, some regulations to that, right? A cat, a dog is okay. As soon as you bring your 13-foot alligator, pet alligator to the office, I'm sure you're going to have an issue. Right? Well, Florida's got their own law, don't they? <laughs> well, I mean, we oh, yeah. Do. No, you okay, guys live on, by on, a on, totally on. different <laughs> set of laws down there, Rick. Rachel, Rachel, please do not compare Florida to the rest of the states. We are so different. 
so out there. <laughs> you don't want to use this as a beacon of a template of what a state should behave. <laughs> I'm, oh, just, I, I I'm laughing, but I'm so serious. <laughs> I don't think we've got the Florida man. Um... <laughs> I, I'll, I'll attest to that. I had a very hard time finding an Australian man or a Sydney man story. I did find a New Zealand man story. I have that saved for later. It'll be coming up in our segment uh, towards the end of the program today. FYI. Anyways, back to you. Well, Rachel, one of the things I've noticed, because um, uh, one, once I knew that you was coming on the show, I'm like, oh, Australia, let me really take a deep dive. And I, I started taking a look at your um, your unemployment numbers, right? So I started going back. Um, you've been doing HR for about over 20 years. So I'm looking all the way back from the mid to late 90s. Unemployment was really high. It was almost 9%. And then it just dipped down to its lowest part, which was in about 2008, 2009, um, so, which is at, at about 4%. What happened in the mid to late 90s that it was so high? Oh. Well, we had the mining boom, um, and then the mining boom sort of just crashed. Um, So, and now we're really focused on our growing our infrastructure. Um, You know, we we are quite remote out here, Um, so growing our infrastructure. Um, So, I I would say that it's just a case of um, how our economy is, and you know, our job creation programs. Yeah, because it's I'm comparing what happened in 1995 to 1999 to I mean, obviously, um, everybody spiked in uh, 2020, mm-hmm. right? Because with everything happened with COVID. But but for you guys, it was just seven and a half percent now with this huge, crazy pandemic that affects the entire world versus in the mid 90s that it was almost at nine. And then, you know, it's I mean, again, you guys had a really good time uh, in between 2005, 2010. You guys were rocking and rolling four percent. Unemployment, that's actually pretty good. Uh, so so how, how does that affect a recruitment industry when it, it, it went so high in the mid-90s to obviously the, this uh, pandemic hit, but especially mm-hmm. in an environment where the total compensation is radically different than, I mean, the, the other thing I can compare it to is the U.S., right? Yeah. So um, um, it, it's, I guess, from a, from a recruitment organization perspective, what have your organization done to really curb those numbers? So how creative do you have to get to really be attractive to that candidate, more importantly, to that client to bring in candidates? Yeah, I mean, you need to offer a point of difference. You need to, you know, you need to sell yourself as an organization as to why that candidate would be better off with you than your competitor. So you need to start employee branding yourself. And then that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about helping clients do. Okay, let's look at what you're offering. Let's look at what the market's offering. And let's see if, if we can tweak things a little bit so you are more attractive. Now, you guys thing, are, Sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, are you familiar, um, you know, just talking about this pan, pandemic, that um, about our, our job keeper program that our government issued no tell me about it uh, so, <laughs> so i guess in 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 efforts to assist our economy and assist businesses um the government introduced a job keeper program in march 
Um, and that was, you know, for, for people who are in uh, employment, um, to keep them employed, the government would pay the employer uh, $1,500 a fortnight uh, to keep people employed. So, and that's passed on. 1500 A fortnight. Every two weeks to keep people employed. And that that was mandated that that had to be passed on to the employee, um, you know, so that then in turn helps stimulate the economy um, and keep people, you know, purchasing. Um, so I guess we've been fortunate enough that, you know, we've been able to, to do that here. So I see that your organization has a presence in the States, in Illinois, correct? Right. So, uh, so yeah. is that just recently, or has that been here for a long time? In the- no, just a couple of years. Um, so, uh, we actually operate globally. So it's not just uh, within the U.S. So, um, you know, if someone needed some HR policies drafted in the U.K., you know, I can assist there. Or if they needed, um, you know, coaching, mentoring, HR policy, um, risk management done in. Let's say Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, then I can I clean the, the state is okay. <laughs> I claim it. New York can do. <laughs> well, once you once you start look at this guy. Once you started um, working in the, uh, you know just 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 uh, conducting business in the United States from <laughs> a from an Australian HR point of view, mm-hmm. what is the most shocking HR law? that you saw in the United States that you're like, wow, this is insane. What is the most shocking one? You know, at-will employment really is really interesting to me. Really? Okay. How so? Yeah. Yeah, What Um, about it stands out to you? Yeah. That you have it. (laughs) (laughs) JC, the whole thing. Just the entire thing. (laughs) Just the entire thing. It just throws you off. <laughs> How yeah, does that work? And then you go through that litigation process. Um, you know, here it's it's very much, you know, if you identify that there's an issue, you work with that employee, rectifying the issue, everything's documented, you have pips in place. Um, you know, it, it, it really is focused on retaining and building an employee. Um so the concept of at will to me is is so foreign. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then you. Sorry. Well, I was gonna say so. So from a uh, taking my my employee hat off and putting my employer hat on, um, mm-hmm. wouldn't you see a benefit for the employer to have that in his or her back pocket in case they have an associate? They're like, ew, I don't want to keep this person here. <laughs> Then, but then, are, are you then falling back on unconscious bias, discrimination? Yeah. Okay. You know that that's another minefield, and then you've got to go through that whole litigation process. So, you know, we've got those sort of checks in checks and balances in place. So, 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 so do that right there, Rachel. Let me ask you right away then. When we're talking about the ad will and the, and the potential of uh, the discrimination and the other bad things like that, the very bad, very, very not good, right? Mm-hmm. So over here, if Ricky wants to, 
he could fire someone tomorrow because they're going to vote for a candidate that he doesn't like. Over by you, can they do that? Absolutely not. Seriously. So, hang on, though. Wait a second. Rick, I'm not saying that you would, but, I mean, you could potentially discriminate based off on uh, political affiliation in the United States and nothing would happen to you. No, not really. Not really, because our our employment at will policies here, it says that you can fire anybody for whatever reason that's not protected by law. And that's when Title Seven comes. Well, in. right. But, but is political affiliation protected by law? It actually it is where actually it is. I do have to find it. But there there's so there many people great- listening with November coming up that need to know this. That's why I'm asking, because people are getting fired left and right out there. You know this, right? No, no, they are. They are. And I know I have heard of some organizations and pulling those kinds of triggers, right? Now, I do have to find it um, because I wasn't ready for that question, JC, but I do have to find it. Um, But yes, there it's it is a no, no to fire somebody just because of their political. Okay, but you could fire someone because they like Cheetos. You could fire. That's not a protected class. Okay, got it. Over and on your uh, your side of the uh, the pond there, Rachel uh, Cheetos would be. If they want to wear chinos, as as long as it's not breaching any work health and safety <laughs> to go. Uh, issues, which so, yeah. Well, here's the interesting part. Here's the interesting part. Um, let's say um, for ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, Ability, if yeah. a medical accommodation is to, for you to have Cheetos. Right. And you're not going to give Cheetos or provide Cheetos to that. Of All right. course, hang on. Going hang to on. The extreme, we, we, you we have to trouble. we have to pull the e-brake. I have a sinus thing going. I said Cheetos like pants, Rick, not Cheetos like the food. <laughs> I'm hungry. I thought you meant Cheetos. No, man. no. I've oh, been talking about the clothing. I, oh, dude. Uh, OK, let's say I understood what you meant by Chinos. I still don't know what you're talking about. Khakis, what the hell is pants like someone wears clothing that oh, you wouldn't God. necessarily you see, uh, Rachel, my whole rationale is driven by food, so I do apologize. <laughs> I really do. I well, honestly heard Cheetos. Cheetos, and then you said Cheetos, and I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? So, so in Australia, um, obviously, well, no, not obviously, I would assume it would be illegal to fire somebody because of their race, religious affiliation. What's Correct. that law called? Well, we have the um, Anti-Discrimination Act, and okay. we also have um, you know, Fair Work, which outlines everything that an employer is responsible for. Okay. Um, so I actually just wrote a policy this week and listed different aspects that you actually cannot discriminate against. One of them was you know, political affiliation, um, parenting responsibility, gender um lifestyle, age, um, I know age, age discrimination is, you know, an, an issue. Um, well, but years old, right? For what? Sorry. For, for age discrimination. What is JC doing? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll be off guard with that. Can I've gone to, <laughs> just be careful, Ricky, because I'm 44 in a couple of weeks. Uh, oh, I mean, I'm there too. It's okay. Tread, no, no, because in the U.S., age discrimination, quote unquote, comes into play for anybody over 40. 
And then I believe that um, in Australia, if somebody is being fired or or just uh, just um, riffed out, all right, uh, some kind of a layoff, the government has some specific rules and regulations about how much money the company should pay that person um, based on how long they've been there, severance-wise. But there's a separate thing, right, that it says the you add two weeks to however long they've been with the organization if they're over the age of 45. So Correct. that led me to believe that there's an that that that's the threshold, 45 years old, right? Or no? I mean, I mean that that's typical that people in in I guess our era do find it a little bit more difficult to find an employment. Um, so that is just an extra incentive. Well, I'm not going to say incentive. Um, we call it our redundancy. Uh, if they're made redundant, then they get that extra payment. Oh, yeah, redundancy payment. Redundancy payment. To, to me, that is that is mind blowing, right? Because it, it's because to me, of course, I'm think I'm looking at this from a business owner's perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to cost a fortune just to operate, right? Because all these rules and regulations forces the organization to you know to pay out all these things that I don't want to say you normally won't. That world, whereas at the U.S. you don't have to do that. So at some point. Uh, the company have to cut somewhere or 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 make some cuts or be really creative or overcharge or is it really expensive and uh, I mean how's the cost of living in Australia <laughs> with all these rules and regulations in place yeah um, well it doesn't apply to businesses under 15 employees um, so it is yeah so it is more for you know the, the larger businesses rather than the smaller ones. Yeah, something that is, um, you know, I'm really excited about and and I'm really passionate about and I shared with you on on LinkedIn um, and I think um, in the spirit of mental health um, day, you know, worldwide um, and what's been happening with this pandemic is uh, we're now looking at psychological safety being um, you know, just as uh, prevalent as, you know, work health safety. Um, so I guess your your OSHA requirements okay. um, is, you know, what it would be over there. For us, it's, you know, work, work health and safety. So not just looking at what physical risks and physical harms um, an employer is responsible for, but also now for, you know, any psychological harm that could happen in the workplace. What does that look like? like it, it, it's so, well, so, so what's a good example of that? Oh, uh, bullying in the workplace, harassment in the workplace. Yeah. So it's just a draft code at the moment. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm really excited that, you know, our psychological safety is now being recognized as just as important as our physical absolutely. safety. No, absolutely. You know, especially with everything happening, you know, just, just how I said earlier, in yeah. the show that it, it's it's a lot Rachel I mean for me for me look it's I'm lucky enough that I don't like that I'm not a single parent right um it is my wife and I pre, we think we do a pretty good job with our eight-year-old and eight, a six, seven-year-old listen to me I'm already pushing them out um but <laughs> it's I gotta tell you it's hard work and all the only thing I gotta do is just take a step back I'm like wait I know single parents who got three kids and they're making it happen I'm a wuss. Yeah. I think this is hard work, right? But then, <laughs> not only that, they got you know with work and their their. I guess I'm assuming 
um, under unappreciative manager, always beating them with a stick about perform, perform, forget what's happening at home. So, yeah, so that is important. And, and to be honest, that is something that we have to recognize more here in the United States above and beyond EAP. Yes, yes. Exactly. Yep. We're going to go to a deep, deep, dark place here, and we're talking about recruitments. We're talking about grants. We're talking about incentives, maybe something that we didn't necessarily get into directly just yet. But there are a number of Australian government incentive programs. Restart wage subsidy. Are you familiar with that, Ricky? I I am not. Financial assistance for businesses that employ and retain people aged 50 or older and who have been unemployed and receiving income support for six months or more. Rachel, what does that yep. mean from the recruiter's perspective? I mean, it's just another, um, I guess, tool that you can use to say, well, hey, have you considered this candidate because there is financial incentive and if you need to speak to you know a client in that dollar term there is a financial incentive to employing this person okay um so so it's plausible then that you could have a recruiting firm that focuses on 50 and older absolutely okay okay here we go ready for it that's right ladies and gentlemen silver fox recruiting We'll put you in all the right places. Something like that, right? We could be, we'd be millionaires. We'd be millionaires, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, you know, there's also incentives um, for trainees and for apprentices. Um, in our budget that was just released um, a few days ago, and it, and it just passed, um, the payments just passed, but there are um, job hiring credits um, and it's you know, based on different ages, um, but up to about $10,400 um, if you hire someone who is 16 to, I have to get back and have a look at the actual um, age bracket, but the government has said, look, if you will hire this person, you know, in this, um, you know, they had to be on JobKeeper or JobSeeker, you know, we will provide you with a job hiring credit so it's just another way for businesses to keep their doors open, um, keep their cash flow coming in, and keep people in jobs. It's absolutely an ingenious way to kind of keep things moving and, and also encourage people getting back into the workforce, restarting wage subsidy, yeah. or restart wage subsidy. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Let's say you took that opportunity to where, uh, like you were talking before, you're, you're, you're in a position where maybe you have to step away for a bit and, and spending more time with family or, or doing what you need to do and getting life back together and it's time to get going again. And maybe you don't have the means or methods to go through and get that resume put back together or find those right tools and assets. We've talked about that a million times on this show, Rick, you know, about what assets and tools are out there to help people get back into the workforce that are not necessarily at retirement age, but kind of getting there. They have an actual program. They have a program. We do. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. And, and, and our TAFE, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, which is higher educational learning, um, there's a lot of courses that the government has said, look, if you want to do this course, it will be for free. Because of this pandemic, because people are, you know, losing their jobs, if you need to pivot and you've thought of doing this career, 
do this course. We'll provide this course online. Everything's virtual uh, for free. Um, so people are, are able to upskill at the moment and to you know, get themselves ready for when you know our, our jobs are more affluent and you know there are a lot more businesses open if they want to pivot into a different industry they've got those skills now so rachel can can anyone just work though like anyone could come to australia and just start working whether you're native australian or from somewhere else everyone has a right to work right away or is is there uh, a a bigger how you say like a permission to work that may be required yeah, I mean, if if you're not a citizen, then you you would have to, you know, have the appropriate visas mm-hmm. uh, to be able to work here. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so that so from anywhere else into Australia. So now, with that said, you do have a big presence in Australia, and I also mentioned that um, you did open up an office in Illinois, but you also said everywhere else or or other places in the world. Where else do you have a foot market? Oh, we, we, we can operate globally. So, uh, you know, as part of NPA worldwide, uh, we're able to tap into those resources. So, you know, if, if we have a client that says, I need a resource in Belgium, you know, we, we just contact our, you know, resources in Belgium. And it, it's like a one-stop, um, one-stop shop. So instead of them having to go out to multiple different agencies, um, you know, to to hire globally, they could just come, you know, have a conversation with myself and say, I need this person in Belgium, this person in Norway, this person in South Africa, and, you know, I can manage that process for them. So it's not I, – I have a question for you, but it may put you in a peculiar position in how okay. to answer. I'll, I'll – okay. I'll, I'll, you tell me either Ricky, I'll answer, or Ricky, just shut up. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So, it's is there a line where you would draw as far as who you deal with recruitment wise worldwide? Mm-hmm. And here's why I ask because obviously, I'm assuming in Australia there's minimum wage laws. There are okay. minimum wage laws in the United States, but not everywhere else has them. So, if you see a client that maybe may not live to up to what your ethical standards are about what fair wage is, do you draw that line? Absolutely. And, and I have said no to, to clients um, for that very reason. Yeah. You know, they've only wanted to hire from a particular racial background. Um, um, wow. And, you know, that's a, that's a line I'm not going to cross. Yep. And if it means losing money and losing business, then so be it. But it's a good loss. Yeah. It's, it's just uh, it's, so I, I wasn't thinking about that, but thank you for throwing that in there because I was thinking more about you know it, it's I mean I hate to say it like the black sweatshops right I mean it, it's mm. I know some American companies have gotten in trouble for participating in that now obviously that was a while ago they've they've taken steps to mitigate that i don't know if they're there 100 or not but i'm pretty sure it still does happen so just when i mm. when just hearing you talk about you working on that global stage i just you know it, it just came to my mind as far as there's got to be a point where you're like i'm i'm not going to do that and yeah. do you just walk away or do you take some active steps to be more involved to kind of turn that around i just pause for one second because okay. my dog is eating my washing. Uh, no. <laughs> it's okay. Put him on. We'll talk to him. 
It's this new dog I rescued. I'm just going to tell my daughter to um, save the laundry. How old's your dog? Well, I just rescued this one. He's a Labrador pup. He's 18 months, and he is wild. <laughs> wild. <laughs> oh, well, my goodness. You're doing a good thing, Rachel. You're doing a good thing, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny you bring up the dog thing like that, though. When have you heard? Both of you may have heard this. So many people went out and they got dogs during the midst of COVID, yeah. and there's like a huge dog adoption <laughs> issue taking place across the entire globe. It's dog. Mm. It's a dog demic. It's insane. Like how many pups <laughs> need? Yeah, they need homes. It's it's crazy. Hey, uh, written employment contracts. That's something that's required. Uh, starting jobs in Australia, or no? Yes. Uh, implied terms. Terms can be implied in law or they have to be written out in context. Well, they can be implied, yes. Okay, collective agreements. Uh, collective agreements, uh, can they be made under the Fair Work Act or can collective agreements be pushed aside? What do you mean by collective agreements? Sorry. Uh, Providing employees with notice of the right to be represented during bargain, bargaining for any agreement. Oh, that's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we okay. have those, yeah. All right. Uh, minimum wage, yeah. you do have a minimum wage uh, nationally or is it regionally? Well, it's set by, um, we have modern awards and we have about 122 of them. So depending on what award you fall under, uh, depends on what your minimum wage is. Is the working hours defined nationally very strictly or is it kind of loose and uh, we could abuse our employees and make work 80 hours a week? <laughs> no, you cannot do that. Um, and now we've got, uh, you know, if you're a primary caregiver, uh, you're entitled to request flexible working opportunity. Is there penalty raised for overtime, <laughs> shift work, weekend, public work, holiday work, things of that nature? Correct. How, how, yeah, how big a is. penalty are we talking? Well, again, it depends on what award you fall under. You could have just said $1 billion. It made it sound dramatic. <laughs> that would have been cool. You. Hey, um, yeah. two, two last things. Rest breaks. Are they mandatory or can they continue working without a break and get off work early? Oh, no, they, they have to take the rest they break. have to take a that, break. You know, okay. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. is there a maximum period of time employees can work without a break? Or is that uh, defined no. by the employee? Okay, got it. Yeah. And then uh, shift workers. Shift workers. Mm. Do they get a... a strict percentage differential across the board across the country like uh for night shift well this is interesting um you know we just had you know if we're talking about um say casual work yes um, oh sorry you're for but you said shift yes you're talking shift or casual uh but i was talking about shift but if we would if you want to start with casual and go back that's fine too i was waiting to get there yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, we, we had, um, you know, work, play, work pack and sign uh, case a little while ago and basically it highlighted um, casual work, the casual workforce. So a lot of things came out of that case, um, you know, for casual workers and, you know, it's a requirement now that, um, you know, traditionally casual workers, you know, they're compensated for not getting holiday pay or, mm. or sick pay, um, and that's their very definition. They're, they're casual. So now we're encouraging people, you know, if you do have casual workers to to have that 25% loading separate on the pay slip, to have it in any, um, you know, contract um, that above their, their pay, there's 
they're entitled to that 25%. You need to offer them the right to have permanent work after 12 months and every 12 months. And if they don't accept that, you know, that's fine and and you give them a a right to refusal letter. Um, And that's for if their shifts are basically, you know, systematic and regular. So it could be argued that although they're casual, they're really operating like a permanent employee. All right, all right, all right. So to that then if we're talking about if we're talking about Uber, Lyft, an Uber driver, in your definition that would be a casual employee, correct? Yeah. And Ricky over yeah. here, that casual employee, everything that we're hearing about it, California, A B five, the independent blah blah blah. Okay. Yep. I just wanted to do some rapid fire and get some things out there in the open. Back to you two philosophers. I'll be back here with the uh, code of law standing by. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, I actually have one more because um, just one more question, because I see that your public holidays there, they're almost Hmm. as similar as the United States. But they're they're they're, well, I mean, they got New Year's Day, right? They got Easter. Ricky, everything's upside down there. It's upside down. Rachel, isn't everything upside down? (laughs) I mean, my, my daughter asked me to ask this question today. Australia, everything's, yeah. it's like the water goes backwards, like the toilet works backwards, right? Correct. I mean, we learned that from the Simpsons. So it, it flushes up. <laughs> it goes backwards and up. And I said, no, sweetie. No, it, it just rotates quick. backwards. It goes down still. Yeah. Yeah. But, it still yeah. goes down. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Oh, but yes, thank you. Thank you to the Simpsons. Big thank you. there. All right, Rick, come on. Hit the gas. What do you got, brother? No, no, no. I just wanted to know because I know you guys have Boxing Day, Australia Day. um, Well, Canada's got Boxing Day. Like right across the the lake here is Boxing Day. We don't have Boxing Day. Is it a paid holiday? Who pays for that? The government or or it's also paid? And the government pays for it or, or the organization pays for it? Well, it's paid as part of your salary. Yes. Oh, wow, that is. He forced him to do that. That is so. I don't know if it's, it's interesting. Like Columbus or Day. Oh, what about Columbus Day? It's a paid holiday. For who? Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it depends on the organization. I'm working on that day, bud. <laughs> and so I get paid for it because I'm working on it. That's why. <laughs> I know, I know. So overtime laws, how crazy or are there any overtime laws? We just did that. No, no, no. wait a minute. It's dependent on the award. So, okay. So um, after, so let's say where you are right now, right? Mm -hmm. You are a regular employee, um, Mm -hmm. hourly. After how many hours do you get OT and how is it paid? Like it's a time and a half, two, three, five. Yeah, it is. It is dependent on the award that you fall under. Uh, it's normally a, a full working week is the thirty-eight hours. Thirty thirty-eight hours. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So a million-dollar question here. We're talking about all these amazing, fantastic things like kid in a candy store. We've got this amazing stuff. Come work for us. This is why we're great. But at the same time, life is definitely better here. So. To that, taxes have to be like through the roof, right? No. All right, I'll be over here. No, that, that, Once again, I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> I'll let you two talk. No way, but 
I just looked it up. So it depends where you are, what state and what territory. So in New South Wales, is the threshold is $750,000 at 5.45%. Every state territory has different rates at different thresholds. Mm-hmm. And Australian capital territory, $2 million at 6.85%. Wow. And that, that's because that's where our federal government's located. Let's just be clear on that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, yeah, well, that's the most expensive one because that's the only one that's a 6.85. The next one that's the highest is Tasmania, which is just that island south of mm-hmm. the country. It's a 6.1% and it's $1.2 million as far as that threshold is concerned. So what does that mean if you go above it? So do you get charged? that percentage if you hit that threshold or below it? Yeah, so so tax thresholds increase as, as you know, what your salary increases by. Ah, ah gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. So and, and the capital they're... territory, so if my salary increases by $2 million, <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, I'm moving there. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they're not going to let you, though. I don't think that they would let you move there, period, though. I think it's really hard for you to say, I'm going to get up and and go and and just move to Australia, right? I don't know. I don't think it's that easy, is it? How hard is it? Hello, I'm Ricky. I'm here to start my new life. I'm from Puerto Rico. Yeah, come on in, Rick. Come on in. Why did you use that accent? <laughs> me being from Puerto Rico. I, I can't do it. But I don't know what your Puerto Rican accent is. You always talk to no, me like you know you're what? from the Bronx. It is exactly that. Thank That's you what very you much. do. Yeah. You're like, yo. That's exactly how we sound like in Puerto Rico. I'm like, Ricky, how you doing? You're like, yo. I'm like, what do you, Rick, come on. No, but seriously, though, it's like, it's a thing, though. It's not, uh, it's not like the doors are open and everyone could just walk in to start a new life, right? I mean, they have they have changed, but you know, years ago, yeah, we have so much land, but we just didn't have the population. Um, so I think it was under uh, Peter Costello, I think it was, famously said um, when our government introduced the baby bonus, um, where for each baby you had, um, it was it went up to ten thousand dollars per baby. Uh, you know, have one for yourself, one for the country, <laughs> so to try and increase our population. And then if you're buying your first home, the government will give you up to $25,000 to help you purchase your first home to stimulate, you know, construction and infrastructure. So there's a lot of, um, you know, benefits to living in Australia. <laughs> Is there a cap on that baby So can you have, like... 20 kids, then get 10000 each, and then get the $25,000. If you planned is right, you can get a house for free, right? <laughs> Completely paid for by the government. Uh, in the Northwest well, they, Territories, too, or something like that, right? The NSW, <laughs> or what did you say? Well, yeah. They, they did eventually cotton on to maybe some people were more financially motivated, um, and then they changed it to... <laughs> The paid parental leave scheme. <laughs> All right, I got I to hit the gas on a few tough questions, and, and we're going to move the timeline along and kind of get back to where we are today, uh, get back into the, the culture differences and, and your questions for Ricky as well. So uh, for you, when we're talking about the first person in the entire world 
to receive a SHRM certification living in Australia. What chapter do you uh, call home? Uh, Chicago okay. and and Hawaii. I was going to say, like, is it just yourself? Like, we're having a SHRM meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm raising some funds. I, I'll just get some pizza. No, it's okay. So you actually, uh, Chicago and Hawaii. Beautiful. Yep. And then from there, um, I'm, I'm sure, like you said, 25 times over and over, you know, and being here to the States, working here, uh, uh, working with people from here, you, you've, you've had quite the tenure. You've seen a lot of different personalities. You, you've grown up in an area of the world that's so vastly unique and, and precious. And then now mm-hmm. you, you have to deal with someone like Ricky. So when you think about that, when you think about going from the land of the precious to Ricky, like if you had to build that bridge and let the fire uh, to, to get ready for the fireworks, we're going to build that bridge. What what are we thinking in our mind as we're approaching someone like Ricky for the first time? Not someone like Ricky when I say due to the way he looks, but like I mean, like his demeanor, his jokes, his laughter, our culture, the way things are a little bit different. Australians, they're pretty hardcore, right? You're drinking oil cans all day, and you're just driving around in Jeeps, wrestling gators, right? I mean, this is what you do, right? No? Steaks? Outback? Uh, not all of us. Okay. <laughs> Some of us are, uh, are Outback, educated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rachel, I'm sorry. <laughs> don't, 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 don't pander like that, Baez. Don't, hang on. Hang on. We're getting somewhere. So that okay, we take all that stereotypical stuff aside. You already have a stereotype in your mind when you think about the um, someone from the U.S. and someone that you might be working with from the U.S. What were some of the things that you first had to overcome regarding stereotypes of of people from the states? Uh, to, to be honest, um, I actually didn't have a stereotype. Rachel, don't be honest. Lie and make it interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually found it difficult working in Asia. Mm. So I found it very difficult working in Asia as a, a single Christian, white, female, mm. and going over there and to manage people, um, it took a lot to earn that credibility and respect of some of my male counterparts. Uh. Um, so... Uh, that was probably a lot, well, it was. It was a lot more difficult than, you know, working in the U.S. Yeah. So. Um, How'd you win them over? I, pardon? How'd you win them over? I can't believe you're asking me that, Ricky. I mean, look. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Touche. <laughs> Touche. Gotcha. Okay. You know, you know, it, it's just having those those conversations, and you, you know, they didn't need to be intimidated uh, at all, um, and building those relationships, and that's something I'm passionate about, and and I love working in the US. Absolutely love it. Um, you know, I love the little different subcultures, and um, you know, I I always enjoy visiting over there. So speaking on that, so you're hopping on a plane tomorrow. You're 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 going to Chicago. You're going to go see mm-hmm. your Chicago office. You land. You land on a Sunday night. You're supposed to be have a meeting on Monday morning with your team over there. As soon as you land, what is your first thing that you do as soon as you land? What do you go to eat? 
What do you crave in the United Ooh. States? Oh, Chicago hot dogs. Really? So good. Yeah. So good. And the deep dish pizza. Okay. All right. Yeah. I gotcha. I got you. So anywhere else in the States, any of the foods that you're like, hmm, this is what I want to go for. Maybe wings in Buffalo. I don't know. Oranges in Florida. Have you been to Florida? I have I have not been to Florida. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm a bit curious now after seeing Florida Man. <laughs> it, it's it really is the thing. It really is the thing. We're yeah. we're a little bit Well wait a second. Here. Like tomorrow or Later today, today. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are going to be playing, aren't they, Rick? Uh, yes, to they a COVID-type stadium or something? What's, what's the deal there? The Florida story so, there. So we have the Miami Dolphins, the uh, football team here in, uh, in Miami, Florida. And uh, I just saw a news story the other day that our governor, Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, had a conversation with the, uh, with the owners of the NFL team and just uh, talking about how this Sunday's game is going to look like, and they have given them the green light to have a full pack stadium, no social distancing at the Miami Dolphins game. There is, dude. You guys are open floor. for business. You guys are wide open for business. It's it's actually kind of a beautiful thing as long as you can control it. Like up here by me, well, I'm in the situation right now where the cure is worse than than the infliction. Like we yeah. we are so locked down. We if I go to Walmart, when I come home after grabbing groceries, I have to quarantine for fourteen days. It is brutal. <laughs> look, look, JC. Here's the thing, right? So um, in New York is an extreme. In Florida is an extreme. Um, am I happy that we are able to do more things and have more flexibility than people in New York? Yeah. But here's what happens, right? Um, here in Florida, all we're, we are open for business. I was just at a restaurant last night with some brothers, and it, it, it's yeah, we had mask on, but once you start drinking, the idea of a mask just doesn't matter. And it's just it, it's I don't see everybody follow, following those rules. Now, look, I'm not gonna lie, I hate wearing a mask, but I do it just to protect other people and protect me and to be respectful. But not everybody does that, right? So now you're going to have 80,000 people packed into a stadium in Miami, which, by the way, is a hotbed as it is right now in the uh, in the uh, state of Florida. So I just think we should have a little bit just come in the middle, right? Just just mm-hmm. a little bit more loose than New York and a little bit more restricted than Florida. Mm-hmm. And we should be in the middle and we should be OK. So but when you come to Orlando, just let me know because JC's going to hate this, but you got to go to Disney. You got to go, oh, to, absolutely. You gotta go yeah. to Universal Studios. I'm telling you, it's you're going to have a blast. Although they just had another layoff. And so it's that's a whole other thing here in, in in the United States. So are you experiencing a lot of layoffs over there, too, as well? I mean, we we have um, we're, uh, with the exception of Victoria, we're open for business. But, you know, we, we do have the social distancing in place. Uh, we do have the option to wear a mask. We do have um, COVID uh, unless you're in Victoria um, and we do have COVID marshals, um, you know, that inspect venues to ensure that, you know, those hygiene practices uh, are being enforced. They're called social <laughs> Yeah, they get to wear those really cool yellow vests as well. Huh? Are they? They got weapons, or I mean, like, what, <laughs> are they like real marshals? I mean, what? <laughs> how does that work? 
They got syringes with a NyQuil? I mean, no, <laughs> no, they politely ask you to stop. Please don't yeah. do that. Please don't yeah. breathe. Please don't. Okay, got it. <laughs> Please don't breathe. <laughs> Please sit down. Please don't mingle. <laughs> Please the, remain that 1.5 meters apart. Is there right. is there an equivalent of the EEOC in Australia? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. it called? Yeah, well, you're talking about equal opportunity. Yes. Yeah, of course we have we have equal opportunity and uh, they, here but, in Australia. But you also have like a commission that oversees it and and levies fines and penalties at the same time, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So everything that you know that comes under to fair work as well. Well, we have a situation over here. This just hit the news uh, today, believe it or not. Dillard's has to pay $900,000 to resolve an EEOC race discrimination lawsuit. The company failed to promote African-Americans. According to the federal agency, this is out of Little Rock, Arkansas. Dillard's, for anyone that's not familiar, is uh, headquartered there. Uh, Dillard's is a department store, something like that, right? Okay. Right. Okay, thank you. And uh, in the lawsuit, they claim that the department store failed to promote African-American employees based on race and that at the end of the day, Dillard's will provide $900,000 in back pay and uh, compensatory damages to individuals denied promotions, developed and post-written promotion policies for its stores nationwide, Mm -hmm. post-supervisor manager vacancies, provide anti-discrimination training to the entire staff oh, and wow, dedicate an email address and telephone number for employees to address complaints based on failure to promote based on race as part of the terms of the two-year consent decree that settles the lawsuit. The company will report complaints to the EEOC. I'm taking that current event, floating that out there for the two of you to chew on back and forth to the two of you. <laughs> It's a little bit, um, I guess, concerning that that has been allowed to operate um, for that long. It's in, and that's exactly what's going through my mind, Rachel. It, it, mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 almost twenty twenty one. Yeah, right? and we still have organizations that still. So I'm assuming that was adverse impact, not adverse treatment. So they didn't deliberately. Do it, but the processes and procedures they had in place happened in a way that it, it negatively affected uh, people of color, minorities, underrepresented mm-hmm. people, and it's just it, it's. I'm with you. It baffles me that in this day and age, that we honestly still need those laws, right? Look, I'll be the first to tell you, Rachel, that it, it's the way things are today. I really wish we didn't have the EOC laws, and here's what I mean by that. Because we've got some organizations, we got some people um, that really are doing the right thing, right? And if you go ahead and you are put together an organization and you're a leader of an organization, you're the HR person and you cultivate that culture that creates equality, equity, and people are able to really focus on the talents and not have to worry about other things, more people will flock to those businesses and then you don't need the laws because nobody's going to work at the other business and they just go out of business. Stories like this prove me wrong, right? <laughs> because a large organization like Dillers and they allowed that to happen. And look, when the EEOC not only finds you, but you now have to create an email 
You now have to do all these classes. They essentially created an affirmative action plan for you. You have been doing a crappy job from a leadership and an HR. Exactly. It's horrible. Exactly. And and I guess that's where I'm really passionate about going into those organizations and, and saying, hey, let's look at your policies and procedures. How can we make this best practice? Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you raised it's not just equality, but it's equity as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It, 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 it's equal pay for equal work, and believe exactly. it or not, it's it's look, it, it's um, what is it? Thirty years after the Equal Pay Act, or forty years after the Equal Pay Act? Yes, uh, we are a little bit more balanced, but we're still far away from mm. equal pay from equal work, and it's All a right. real. I've got an interesting one for the both. We're not even technically in our current events segment. But this does also help understand a little bit more some of the differences or the trains of thought, etc. And this one is coming to us directly from New Jersey. A man described alternatively um, as transgender or non-binary has sued Amazon for pregnancy discrimination and gender identity discrimination. Sean Simmons, who worked at a Amazon warehouse in Princeton, New Jersey, says he was harassed and denied a promotion because he was pregnant. NBC News describes him as a trans man, while the New Jersey Law Journal calls him non-binary. He filed the suit in September in Mercer County Circuit Court, and Monday it was moved to U.S. District Court for New Jersey. Now, in the suit, Simmons says that after he let the supervisors know about his pregnancy in June of 2019, they told other workers who began harassing him in the restroom and elsewhere the supervisors started finding fault with his work in hopes that he would be demoted the suit says they're named as defendants in the suit along with the company simmons was placed on paid leave after complaining to human resources and when he did return to work he was assigned to a new position that required lifting large bags of dog food and other heavy items that caused pain in his abdomen and he asked for an accommodation which was denied. He was placed on unpaid leave pending the birth of the child, according to the lawsuit. He further alleges that an offer of promotion at a different Amazon location was withdrawn. The suit accuses Amazon of harassment based on gender identity and discrimination and harassment based on pregnancy, all violations of New Jersey state law. Simmons seeks reinstatement, back pay, and compensatory and punitive damages. Over to you. Could have been avoided. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, <laughs> same thing as the Dilla story, but I'm conf- so I'm curious because he's suing under um, pregnancy and gender identity. The gender identity I get that one I completely understand. I want to know more information about the pregnancy one because if it's a man that's turning into a woman, because I don't think the story was clear. I don't know if it was a man into a woman or a woman into a man. If it's a man turning into a woman, can the man claim pregnancy disability? Well, no, it doesn't matter because the person was pregnant, so therefore they do have ovaries. Then mm-hmm. that's they're going. Got it. So it's a woman. Woman turning. Okay. I was. I was. It's thinking out loud. Got it. Okay. All right. So yeah, I do get that one then. But God, are they? I hate to say, it, but how dumb is HR? Or not dumb, or how how out of the loop are they? For an organization such as Amazon, 
Yeah, but you would think that, yeah, they they are large. They're huge. It's uh, it's run by the world's richest person. So I would assume it would have a vast amount of resources to throw at exactly. them, right? <laughs> training, training, training. Come on, HR. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. You got to protect your employees and you got to smack the hand of those managers that really hold um that 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 uh, take away promotions. And they what's the other one. They placed them on administrative leave when he filed a complaint. <laughs> I mean, what? How much more blatant? How much more blatant can you possibly be? So you know what? Whatever lawsuit they get, they deserve it. They really do deserve it. So boohoo, Amazon. Well, I've got something that's pretty blatant. Current events this week brought to you in part by uh, the land that time didn't forget. Move to Australia. Okay, <laughs> heading down the path. <laughs> time didn't forget them, Rick. You can laugh it off not. all you want. Time did not did forget not. them. TechRepublic.com. This is over the past week or so. When we're talking about mental health, we really didn't go as deep into that today as we had hoped to. And for mm-hmm. that, we will be tweeting out, won't we, Ricky Baez? The link that Ms. Nelson has for that LinkedIn article, as well as many others. Thank you. Absolutely. And this uh, first article that we have right here, 82% of people believe that robots can support their mental health better than humans. According to TechRepublic.com, the COVID-19 pandemic has negatively affected the mental health of 78% of the global workforce, according to a report by Oracle and Workplace Intelligent Finds. 2020 has been very stressful. The pandemic's put mental health front and center and it's the biggest (laughs) workforce issue of our time and will be for the next decade the results of this study that's released now show just how widespread the issues become and why now is the time for organizations to start talking about it and exploring new solutions the study of more than twelve thousand employees managers hr leaders and c-level executives in 11 countries Found the COVID-19 pandemic has increased workplace stress, anxiety, and burnout for people around the world. And 68% of respondents said they prefer robots over other people to help them. TechRepublic.com. Okay. Go ahead, Rachel. (laughs) Can I just jump in in there? And and again, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that I'm really passionate about mental health and um, I'm an accredited mental health first aid officer. And I guess if um, psychological safety does become, uh, you know, something to be compliant with uh, under our work health uh, safety laws, um, I think, that area of uh, mental health first aid is going to become very prominent. So let's get on the forefront of that. Let's educate and train our management, our organisations on how they can proactively um, encourage you know, mental health um, behaviours in the workplace. So, so what are your thoughts about them preferring a robot over a human being to deal with it? Oh, after hearing about what is it, Dillard's? Dillard's and Amazon? <laughs> right. Dillard's and Amazon, right? Because I first heard, I heard the first part of the story. I'm like, what? Why? You can't replace a human for that. A human has emotion. But then I'm like, wait, emotion can backfire, right? Because a uh, robot. It, it might have emotion, but does it have emotional intelligence? Does it have neuro agility? 
Well, it depends. Emotional a robot can have emotional intelligence because you can, you can, yes, you can. You can if you are smart enough, you can go ahead and put an algorithm. To, if this happens, say this. If that happens, say that. A human being is unpredictable on how they're going to react depending on what you say. But a robot it depends who programs that algorithm, Ricky. I'm sorry. It depends on who programs that algorithm. That's true, because if if a human does it, then it does have that element. If another robot does it, look, if we have a robot uh, programming an algorithm, we haven't learned a lesson from Skynet and Terminator, because that's exactly what would happen. That's exactly what would happen. You could have um, you could have Biden programming a robot. You could have Trump programming the robot. It's going to come out differently. That is true. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's going to be a bias or, or, as to who's programming it. So you prefer a human being? I prefer a human being. Yeah, me too. Well, I prefer an emotionally intelligent, empathetic ah. human being. Ah, Rachel, woman after my heart. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Your next story in the current events segment takes us all the way directly to Australia. A 25-year-old Australian woman was found to have a tapeworm living in her brain after experiencing a headache for more than one week, according to researchers. The unidentified woman, a barista who never traveled overseas but currently works in human resources and says she has a non-COVID cold, is the first case of the disease contracted on Australia, according to a new study in the American Journal of tropical medicine and hygiene for seven years the woman had experienced migraines two to three times a month that would subside with prescribed migraine medication but a recent headache lasted more than a week and caused visual problems that led her to seek treatment again she wasn't sure whether or not she would ask her doctor but then she saw a commercial at dinner she was diagnosed with a parasite known as neuro Cystocerosis. I hope I said that right. I know I didn't. Which can be a deadly and 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 very bad. It's very badly, a very badly thing. It's not the goodest. And according to the CNNs, she had a tapeworm in her brain, and it was not good. The end. Over to you. Is that is that the is that the current affair topic that you found for Australia? Yes, it thank is. you, Rachel. No, it really is. <laughs> It seriously was. Researchers noted that the only previous cases in Australia came from people who traveled to regions in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. Now, neither the woman nor her relatives had traveled to any of the regions where the tapeworm was common, according to the researchers. That's why it's a huge cause of care and concern right now. Uh, Typically, this is contracted from eating undercooked pork, and that can carry the tapeworm. Or from coming human resources by the sounds. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot going on there, you know? It's uh, contact with food, water, soil, contaminated with tapeworm eggs, according to CNN as well. Um, It's a lot. My heart goes out to all of you in Australia with the tapeworm-demic that's taking place right now. Well, at least on the bright side, uh, JC, she had free health care and was paid her sick leave. Am I the only one here who's baffled by a tapeworm being in the brain? I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah, neither did I. Wow. 
Mm-mm. All right. Well, that's a good comeback there, Rachel. <laughs> the health and the employer that didn't pay for it. There you go. It's time for Florida Man Stories. Florida Man Stories brought to you in part by that little Mexican cantina around the corner from Ricky's house. Our first. <laughs> You know which one I'm talking about, brother. Absolutely, bro. It's a Love good that. one. All right. So yeah. your first story here, this is coming from stuff.co.nz. Okay. Now, this is not our typical Florida man story. But yeah. in light of and inspired by Florida man, we're heading over to New Zealand where just today, Sunday, Rachel's day, just an hour or two ago, a man injured by a chainsaw was flown to Wellington. By the Nelson Marlboro Rescue Helicopter. Now, I, I googled your name, Rachel Nelson. I found the helicopter, and then that told me this story, so that's why I grabbed it. Okay, so pilot Brennan Hyatt said the helicopter was returning to Nelson after a medical transfer to Christchurch on Saturday afternoon when it was called to a job in Takaka. A 58-year-old male with a chainsaw cut to the arm was picked up from Golden Bay Community Health around 3 p.m. and flown to Hutt Hospital. Then at 1.30 a.m. on Sunday, the helicopter was called to a job in Paponga, but was turned around due to bad weather. That's the end of our story. <laughs> Rachel, you go ahead, man. No, literally, it's the title is the title. It's the headline. Man with chainsaw cut flown to hospital. And I just, I plagiarized and read you the entire article for education and informational purposes that was written by Samantha B. October 11th at 1125. Wow. Wow. It was written tomorrow. Yes. It's, it's from the future. There's not much to write about. It's from the future. Yes. There's uh, someone that, that flies helicopters and things to do with Nelson. <laughs> Your Florida man stories continue to an actual Florida man this time. Justin Anthony Garcia, 30 years old, of Lehigh Acres, Florida, landed in the Lee County Jail on September 27th on charges of uh, aggravated battery following a heated argument over which is better, whole milk or almond milk. Deputies say the league. I'm, I'm not kidding. Deputies say the League County Sheriff's Office were called to the scene after a disagreement between two cousins. Oh, this gets better. By two cousins. <laughs> Escalated. Stop. I got I to get through this. Right. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> after a disagreement between two cousins escalated from verbal to physical, according to court documents, eventually ending with Garcia drawing a pocket knife and chasing his cousin through the front yard, cutting him in the torso. Cut, 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 cut. An uncle intervened and separated the two until deputies arrived. But the arrest complaint does not say which type of milk Garcia ultimately prefers. <laughs> he could have been lactose intolerant. They didn't even enter soy or rice or oat milk into the story. Oh. There's so many gaps in that, JC. So many gaps. Rachel, Ladies, that's why she makes a big box. I'm telling you. That's right. That's right. I don't know what to say to that. 
That's that's all I got. Those are, that's literally your current events and your Florida man stories uh, sprinkled with a New Zealand man flew a helicopter. I, I don't know what to say about that one. Uh, Rachel, please don't let that be a deterrent for you to come to Florida. We got good people here. Don't let the Florida man story segment fool you. Otherwise, swing on by. I'll make sure you have a good time. And hell, maybe open an office here as well. So don't, don't just, and, and look, I'll help you with recruiting. I'll make sure you don't get anybody that has any beef with any kind of lactose intolerant other people, milk, anything of the sort. <laughs> you, you'll be good. I got you, ma'am. You got me. Awesome. <laughs> I have a question for you both. Do you want one more or no? It's either yes or no. Well, I feel like a butthole if I said no at this point, so go ahead. Story. Alice Laverne Henry, 47 years old of Lake Wales, Florida, told a clerk at Griner's Jewelry in Winter Haven that she had found the ring she brought in to sell while treasure hunting on the beach. The clerk became suspicious when she noticed the ring, valued at more than $1,000. It had no damage. And investigators later determined it was part of a collection that had been stolen from the store in a July burglary. According to the Winter Haven Police Department, the ledger reported that police also learned Henry had visited another jewelry store on several occasions in September, attempting to sell other rings from Griner's collection. She was arrested October 4th on charges of felony grand theft. So just to recap, she stole the jewelry from the store and tried to sell it back. Florida. <laughs> right? This is why we have laws. That's right. You are 100% right, Rachel. This is why we have laws because of people like that. And uh, let me tell you, it, it's uh, for you to steal from a store, come mm. back later to sell it back to the store and think nobody would notice, then forget the whole act. Now we have to question your intellect. And you know what? I would be even more. It would be even an even more Florida man story if the person that tried to sell it to the store owner actually worked at the store. So that will make it a completely <laughs> complete Florida man story. <laughs> wow. wow! Wow! In fact, tried to sell it back to themselves. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It's it's look, I, dude. I, honestly, Rachel, I'm not surprised anymore. I'm really not. You know, I'm at that age right now that I'm like. Ugh. God, people. You know what? After hearing those stories, I rather deal. I rather deal with a robot. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I rather deal with one. I'm good. All right, uh, we are at that time in the show where we will call for a uh, a minute or two uninterrupted. Ricky, uninterrupted, Ricky of time for final thoughts. With that being said, starting going around the room with final thoughts today, Ricky. Look, my final thoughts are it's it's I'm it's not final thoughts. It's more like a statement towards Rachel. It was such a pleasure having you here. Seriously, it, it, it's a it's a breath of fresh air to kind of see uh, the the field that I love so much. Uh, it's human resources, and it, it, it's I love to see how other countries still treated the way I see this place should go. It's forward thinking progressive focusing on talent focusing on people not just on tactical stuff it's more strategic so i really appreciate you being on i really appreciate you sharing your intellect um and just giving us a little peep 
into the world that you love, that I love, that we share that love for from different points of view. So thank you very much for that, Rachel. I really appreciate it. And final thoughts, Rachel Nelson, over to you. It has been an absolute blast chatting with both of you. And thank you so much for inviting me on the show and and talking about how, you know, HR differs from the US to Australia and what we can do globally to improve that best practice. Um, little concerning we finished on the Florida man. <laughs> Every show, Rachel. Every show. <laughs> but um, I, I'm still still passionate about people and best practice. So <laughs> you know, it'd be great great to you know continue this dialogue further and um, keep chatting about how we can find ways across the pond to improve our industry. And hey, Rachel, what are some of the best ways people could find you, or contact you, and stay in touch with you, please? Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Instagram, um, you know, or, or via your links. You can Google me, find all- <laughs> just Google me. <laughs> I'll be Googled. <laughs> I'm going to jump in with my final thoughts right here. Ladies and gentlemen that have stayed with us thus far through the program, I want to thank you very much for your time. Um, some people have been offended recently uh, through some of the shows due to uh, my humor. But as you see today, as we talked about things such as stereotypes, stereotypes between countries, overcoming stereotypes, and as I throw myself on the on the rails to get run over by that train for you, the listener, I want you to know I'm thinking about you every step of the way. It's all about the jokes and keeping it lighthearted and fun. We could be a dry, boring podcast just like any other Mm. HR podcast out there. But at the end of the day, guess what? We're not. And that's why people actually listen to us. You may have people, dear other podcasters out there, that give you thousands of dollars, that drive Mm. your content, to get you to talk about the things that they want to talk about. But here on HR Talk, we talk about what we want, and no one's paying us to do so. With that being said, Rachel Nelson, I can't thank you enough for being here today. And uh, I'm I'm actually extremely intrigued about your business, your organization. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn a little bit more about your company, and I'm gonna Google the heck out of you when we're done here. And uh, to be honest with you, I find employment here in the United States quite isolating. We were talking about mental health. I'm taking this time in my final thoughts uninterrupted. Ricky, I'm talking. I'm talking, Ricky. Ricky, thank you. A positive workplace culture is a result of motivation, productivity, quality work, and retention. And ultimately, at the end of the day, if Australia has a better opportunity for people to acquire positive workplaces in regards to the way that the current workforce is in America, then maybe we need to take note from that and work together on that. Maybe a little bit better than what we currently are doing. But the level of isolation that's taking place under COVID-19 is something that we all need to address. And we definitely need to spend a little bit more time on the mental health capacities of things. And as you could tell, You've had three professionals on the line today, one of which has been cooped up way too long, and my humor is getting old. With that being said, that is the end of my final thoughts. Ricky, over to you. Folks, come talk to us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, every social media outlet that you find us. Let us know. Share us. Actually, wherever you download your podcast, whatever platform, give us a like, give us a share. Let us know www.hrtoppodcast.com find us there 
Before we wrap it up and close it out, Rick, Rachel, do you promise to come back on in the near future? Let's do it again. Yes? No? I'm I'm here. Yes. Definitely. All right. We have an agreement that she'll be back on this. Fantastic, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Rachel Nelson, Ricky Baez, the face of the franchise, senior executive Lucy, Ricky's dog that I contractually have to say that is thankful that you've listened and tuned in, as well as myself, JC. It's been our pleasure. Drive safe. Have a good night. I'm going to go get me some ribs. (laughs) 